Hi, I'm Robert Crace, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. And I'm the Drinks with Tony Show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Robert Crace. He's the author of A Dangerous Man, an Elvis Cole and Joel Pike novel. It's the 18th book in the series. He was also a TV writer for Hill Street Blues, Miami Vice, Beretta, and more. He's a New York Times bestselling author of 20 novels. 16 of those feature Elvis Cole and Joe Pike. Robert, how are you? Great, Tony. It's terrific to be here, man. uh... Was I okay on that intro? Yeah, that was absolutely adequate. Okay. Yeah, no. I could have, it could have been more? Is that what you're saying? Well, actually, it's 22 novels. Is it really? Yeah, eight, 18 Elvis and Joe and uh, really? 22, yeah, all together. You know, I knew that because I was even reading that, and it said the 18th book on that. As I, I was, it was, the, let's just say my fact checker, me, just wasn't totally clear on it. I just thought you were testing me, Tony. You know, I'm going to misspeak here, and I'm going to see if this dude corrects me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. We're here. Um, I, you give me way too much, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah, credit? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If, if I'm mistaking, it's because it's I'm not in them. I'm, it's because I don't know. So thank you for <laughs> correcting My pleasure. My pleasure. Hey, so, okay, so doing a series for um, 18 books... How does that work? at the beginning when you when you found when you first discovered these characters, did you even did you think it would go eighteen books? What, what was what were the early days? Uh, no, man, I, uh, I I I wasn't thinking in terms of a series. Uh, I at that time at that point in my life, <clears throat> I had written uh, two failed novel manuscripts. Uh, all I wanted to do was write. Uh, a, a book that wouldn't embarrass me. It just complete the story. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it it's turned into a 22 novel career and 18 novels for with those characters, Elvis and Joe, uh, I never foresaw it. It simply it's it's like it happened to someone else. Yeah. And then at this and at the same time, it's almost like you got into a marriage that you didn't think would last how many years they, they, they you start to develop a relationship with these characters I, I bet it's like changed over time maybe there's maybe there's some protection in your head over these guys how does that work well for for sure on many levels what what's really uh, fortunate I guess for me considering that this is my life's work now is when I wrote the first book The Monkey's Raincoat and and, and created these characters I fell in love with them I mean I really truly enjoy them and I and I, and I enjoy uh, being with them when I write them so uh, that makes it easy yeah. I mean it's not to say writing is easy writing is terribly difficult it's hard work but I I don't begrudge them at all I I I see an endless possibility of stories there's more about the characters that I don't know and I want to know, I want to discover it. And each time I write uh, uh, a new book in the series, I learn more about Joe Pike, learn more about Elvis Cole. And that keeps me exciting, excited and, and wanting to push forward. I like that. I, um, I feel like when we're working on our characters or we're trying to develop story, for me, the only time that I understand what, who my characters are and develop a relationship is when I'm putting them on the paper. If they're not on the page and I'm not putting them in the situations, 
I, I'll never get to know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an outliner. I like to figure things out in, in advance. And I spend a lot of work on the characters because I'm a character writer. Uh, every one of the 22 books, and hell, even before that, when I was writing other things, uh, television short stories and whatnot, it always begins with, with a character. The character, there has to be something about him or her that really fires me up and, and gets me going. And uh, things, notions like plot, I, I'm not even sure really what that means, but, but the notions about the, the story itself, the arc of the story, uh, that all comes later. It's derived from the character. So I, I can't even imagine what my life would be like if I were other, otherwise. You know, I, like, like if I, oh man, you know, I gotta write another book, I gotta hit the deadline. Oh man, I, you know, I, I should just kill these guys off. Um, I mean, man, maybe the writer needs to change professions. I'm, I'm really fortunate about that because, you know, I, I just can't wait to get back to them. I, I got more stories in my head right now. I don't have enough time to get the crap all down. Right, right. Yeah. And, how, and how do you do that? Because I'm sure there's, there's 100,000 ways to go with these guys. How, how do you narrow down and go, wait a second, this is where, this is where I want to put Elvis and Joe. This, this, is, this, is what, this is what I feel will serve them in, the, in, the, in the, their, their arc as they continue. Yeah, uh, I guess that sometimes it's, it's, it's the, the guest character, the, the, the notion that I have that dictates that. In, I mean, perfect example is this book, uh, A Dangerous Man. It's, uh, uh, most of my ideas come as unconnected or uh, images that I know nothing about. Um, and in this case, it was, I had this image of a, of a, a young woman, very, very young, uh, youthful, who's alone in a dark room, and, and she's, she's facing me. I know nothing about the room, can't describe it, no, it's just dark. Weird lighting, you know, beams of, of light, dust motes, all that. Uh, and she's backing away from me, she's absolutely terrified. Uh, and I can see the fear in her face, and she's, and she's saying, something she's saying I don't know I don't know I don't know what you're talking about now that's all I had um, in fact it, it, it took me a lot longer to describe it than it took me to see the image but the thing that got me is that I saw in her face a, a, a total vulnerability and honesty she who, whoever was threatening her frightening her she didn't know. She, she didn't know what they wanted. She was totally confused by that, and she was terrified by them. And maybe it was her vulnerability. I, I, I honestly, I'm not sure. But something about her, automatically, as soon as I saw her and I said, I want to find out what's going on with her, I knew it had to be a Joe Pike novel, you know, that, that it had to be Joe was going to be the primary in this book. So in a way, you could say... That character, Isabel Rowland, she directed me to make it a Joe Pike's novel. It just seemed to fit together. And I and I love it's it's almost like just jumping into the water without knowing if it's boiling hot or freezing cold. You just it, it almost seems like you, you you got the character and you don't know where it's going. I mean, when when I had that image, I knew nothing. I didn't know her name. I didn't know anything about her. I, I so 
because it got the image got its hooks into me and I started thinking about it, brooding about it, and working on it. For me, what that means is slowly I build her identity. That comes about. You know, I, I see what the story is with Joe, but it all derives from her and that original image. <clears throat> and then over time, um, I work out most of the story. You know, I'm, I work out most of the guest characters. I need to know. I've tried writing books the other way. I, I'm, you know, I'm not a pantser. I, I, I respect and, and I envy the people who are. I've tried it. For, and for me, it does not work. I have to think a lot of stuff out in advance. But that's my process. Um, and, and for me, that's when it all starts to come to life. Because during that process, I write snippets of scene. I write dialogue. I do really in-depth thinking about the characters, their motivations, their responses. But then when I start putting it together and writing narrative, it comes, comes to life on a, on a wholly different level. Because then the pulse starts, and then you're creating that, that fabric of reality that hopefully is going to exist in some reader's mind some, someday, and also mine too, when I'm sitting there at the typewriter. Oh, do you typewrite? Uh, when I'm when I'm when I'm having a bad day, I actually typewrite. Yeah. I, uh, I I mostly write on a laptop. Okay. Um, but when when I'm jammed and it just is not coming, yeah. I fire up my old Selectric, yeah. which I still love, <coughs> and s- listening to the hum and hitting the keys with that percussive sound that they have. Almost every time it works, it just it just kicks out the jams and opens things up and makes it flow. I I love the finding ways to get out of those bad days and get out of those slumps. For me, it's a yellow pad and a pen, and I can't be anywhere near anything electronic, just so I can know that you know what I could do this for two dollars and fifty cents. I don't need anything fancy, and we can do this. I, I got the yellow pad too, yeah. the yellow legal pad. I, I ink pencils. It it yeah. doesn't matter. I move around a lot too. Oh, yeah. um, I I find that during the a typical work day, I'll change lo- writing locations, maybe two to three times. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll leave my house. Okay. Maybe I'll work in a diner. Yeah. Maybe like I, this place we're we're at now. I could set up at, at this table with my stuff, yeah. and I could work here. You know, as long as they would let me. Right. Yeah. So, for some reason, I think that 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 translocation in a way also it'll it'll help me shift gears it'll 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 freshen me when i'm trying to get into a scene or work that makes a lot of sense do you um do you like take walks in between also or do you have anything like that i mean or no yeah no no i exercise in the morning okay but once i'm writing i don't i don't i don't yeah i'm i'm locked in i'm focused in uh i mean i can get in my car and i can go to to a different location right. but I don't want to you know my it's it's in my head the whole time I'm driving uh-huh. I don't want to change uh, you know it scares me to, to, to change that's just me I'm so focused in and at the end of the day I'm done I, it's just out for the day and it's you know go to bed repeat the next day repeat the next day that's my life repeat the next day Groundhog Day but in a progressive uh... yeah yeah listen as long as you get a few words, a few yeah. paragraphs, yeah. mercifully a few pages yeah. accomplished. You know, it's that's writing. I think people don't realize it doesn't come out in two days and on the first draft. <laughs> no, you know, it's it, one of the greatest compliments 
um, that readers can pay, in my opinion, to me, is when they say, I couldn't stop turning the pages. I, I you know, I, I read your book in two days, one day. I just stayed up all night, I read a book. Uh, now I gotta wait so long, what's taking you? Well, gee, you know, it took me a year to write uh, this novel, so, uh, you know, part of, the, part of the magic is, wow, was I really able to do this in a way that, that this human being, this reader, actually couldn't stop turning the pages and was so engrossed in the story that that uh, he or she stayed up all night to read it i i mean to me that's magical i'm a reader too what 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 a lot of people forget uh is all writers are readers first you know you wouldn't want to write books if you didn't read books and love books when you at some point so i'm as a reader, that's the kind of book I want. I mean, I, you know, there, there are heavier, denser books that I've read and enjoyed, and, and that, that's a certain kind of pleasure. But also, I love it. I love it on a, on a deep emotional level when I'm so swallowed by a story that I, I must keep moving forward. Uh, so if someone's coming back and saying they, the reader, feels the same way, it's, it's kinship, man. I mean, I'm writing for me, I'm writing for you, I'm writing for us. You know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I, I always tell students, if it's an easy read and a page turner, you know for sure that author spent way more time on that than you think. It's, that, that was crafted. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I wish I could write, write them as, as quickly as readers read them. Yes. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work out that way, but... If it did, then there'd be a lot. Then there'd be a lot more writers, and this it would be it would be to- totally saturated. I kind of like that. It's difficult. It's alone. We're stuck in our heads, and we got to pound through it the next day. And it's just, who wants to do that crap? And then you know, then we do it. Yeah. Well, I think all writers, uh, you you know, you, you all writers are used to that. You get used to it. You may not like it. I certainly don't like it. But the only difference between me today and the me that was 22 novels ago, uh, the only difference is that now I, I, I have the knowledge and the trust that I will get through those moments and I will finish the book and I will make it work. Um, and that's all important. Now, having said that, there's really no other difference because I still agonize, I still hit walls, I still oh my God, I have to back up, go around, this isn't working. You know, there are good days, there are bad days. There are a lot more bad days than good days. It kills me when you hear the occasional writer say something like, the book just wrote itself. Dude, I've been waiting waiting 30 years for a book to write itself. I've never written anything that wrote itself. When's my turn, please? (laughs) Um, They need to be punched. I, 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 I wasn't going to go that much, but maybe a baseball bat, <laughs> kneecaps. You understand where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, sometimes well, people will say, like, oh, I feel like I'm just channeling something, which th- I understand that makes sense. You know, like when you received the, uh, the image of the woman for this, it's like almost that image is presented to you, and then, but you have to go do the hard work and make it happen. Yeah. And it sh- well, it should be said that... Well, 
I had that image, which got its hooks into it. But every for every one of those images, there's 814 that are junk, and I immediately dismissed them because there was nothing about them that hooked me. Um, so it, it all becomes the, I guess, the way of life process. I'm constantly playing with characters. I'm constantly seeing little scenes in my head. I'm constantly thinking of uh, notions and ideas and. And so that even when I'm not consciously thinking, I think my subconscious is still doing it simply because that's the way I live my life. Yeah. Every day is the same in that way. And I wouldn't change it. Uh, so when something does come along and boom, you know, and it, and it fires me up, um, it's not like I haven't worked for it. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't consider that inspiration as in, as in the muse, you know, she fl flaps in on her crystal and wings. <clears throat> They're coming for you, Tony. They're not coming for me. I know that's for you, man. Okay, I'm going on the table. Watch out. The, the, the ambulance just wanted to emphasize exactly what you were saying. They were like, you know what? You know, they, they need background noise. Let's, let's get up there and help them. Let's make the show real. Here's, here's Tony and Robert keeping it real at the Alco. Um, no, I... I, I I don't even believe in the muse. The muse, of course, is, is this notion that it's, it's that thing that fires up a writer, you know, that gets in under your skin and won't let go. But if I waited for the muse, I'd still be waiting, you know. Yeah. She, you know <clears throat> that muse is on the beach in Hawaii whenever I need it. It's, it's, so it's a work-a-day thing. Hey, now, when, when, you're, when you're in writing mode, are, are, do you put in a certain amount of hours and then you go, okay, this is the end of the day? How, how's your schedule? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very rigorous about my schedule. Um, <clears throat> you know, I approach it very nuts and bolts, meaning <clears throat> I start early. Um, I start early. And then uh, typically I'm in my office about 7 and I start working. First half of a book. And i got to kind of break it in half because it changes over time. First half of the book is when I'm figuring everything out and creating a story in my head and the characters and all that. And I probably start at 7, finish 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Last half, now I'm writing narrative. And uh, uh, there, there we go. Three meat wagons in a row. It must be ugly wherever it's happened. That's life in the city of angels, folks. So the last half of the book, notice how I get right back on track. It meant nothing. You're so good at that. It's great. It's, I'm a trained professional. <laughs> last half of the book, I'm writing uh, uh, the narrative. Now, now I'm writing the scenes as maybe they'll appear. Um, then my work hours start to expand, and I'll go from seven probably, <clears throat> I'll work, 10 hours a day uh, the last couple of months as I really get close to the finish line I might go to 12 14 hours a day <clears throat> and that's seven days a week yeah. it's just my pattern uh, so it gets it gets more and more intense yeah. over time yeah. and the um, the ritual of it almost where it's like you there's a day you can't not do it you know um, I feel like if, if you if you pull your uh, for me if I pull myself if I'm working on something and I pull myself away for a day even because I just I have to at least go over a paragraph go over something because I'll lose the relationship a little bit and so if I lose a day I lose three days if I lose two days I lose two weeks it's there, there's something about just staying with it yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more <clears throat> I think of it 
all as some sort of very like a like a fairy castle built of bubbles it's like gossamer spider web bubbles and it's so delicate i'm terrified of doing anything that'll make it just burst and vanish and, I, and i'm done um that that actually terrifies me and i so i lock in and and i won't shift focus from anything i stay with it <clears throat> almost as if emotionally it is my responsibility to keep this enormous thing held together you know above my head uh protect it robert protect it don't let it burst don't let anything come in here with a needle and pop the thing and you know you got to bring it to fruition so fruition so that's that's kind of precarious way to live your life but it works I want to use that analogy. I'll attribute it to you, and it'll be on tape, so everyone will know it's you. But that's a rad analogy. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of writers who feel otherwise. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I have no choice. It's just the way I, yeah. I'm built for this stuff. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you get to a point where. Um, you know it's ready to go to your editor, or you know, where you? How, how do you know you're at the end? How do you know, for you for yourself? How do you know it's? How do you know it's quote done? Yeah, I type the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On the <laughs> well, I leading up to it, um, you know, I I I I have or arrive at uh, a fairly definite idea of, of what's going to be the culmination of the story um, and then there's the emotional part of it, the emotional resolution <clears throat> which is sometimes trickier to arrive at but once I've written the scene where I feel resolved where I know the story is resolved um, I, I, that, that's the end I, I just know that's the end um, I mean, there have been, I, I guess, uh, editors in the past who have occasionally suggested I needed more. And a couple of times I can recall saying, no, I don't, this is it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but there's a couple of times where I thought, oh my gosh, that's correct. Yeah. And, I've, and I've gone back and done it and had to rewrite things to get there, but you know, they were right. Uh, but I always have this emotion when I'm done I always have this emotional sense that it's done it's over it's where it needs to be and then so you're off the 14 hour days you're you're off the clock you've turned it in and then what do you do what what do you do with your time after that yeah you know what I do I wonder what's next yeah because there a lot of people uh, I I think they believe that when, when I finish a book it's it's like a sprinter popping the tape as 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 they cross the you know the, the finish line it isn't that at all I just I have this I'm always left with this listless feeling that I don't know what to do with myself now what because I'm all remember for for months weeks and months I've been leaving living with this every day seven days a week single-minded action plan of action get up work focus work drive the story forward write the story <clears throat> when suddenly the next day I don't have that to do because the story's done and I, it's like I'm that runner I pop the tape and I can't quite stop running you know there's still I'm just kind of like 
slowing down, you know, it's going from a sprint to a trot to a jog, but I can't, I, it just feels unnatural to stop. Um, but what happens is the mechanics then of dealing with the book take over and I fall into that period. By that, I mean, you know, I've sent it to my agent, I've sent it to my editor. Uh, they'll read it, they'll have reaction to it, they'll have notes or no notes or whatever the thing is. And, and then there's the production of the book itself. So there's still more incoming thing that goes with the finished book that really don't have anything to do with the manuscript of the story. So that kind of occupies my time. Yeah. And while that's happening is when I'm re-engaging with the next story that I want to tell and beginning to work out the next book. Yeah. So it's unending. So, so you're on a book now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm on a book. I'm on a book now. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling antsy and listless because I'm not home writing it. I'm talking yeah. I'm here at the Alcohol. No, I, I am. I, I, I'm about three months into um, the next book, and um, which means I'm still in the, you know, the, the, the outlining growth part of the haven't yet started writing the actual narrative. Um, so that's you know, more or less relaxed time for me. But it, it is unending. I mean, it one falls into the, yeah. to the next. And is this also an Elvis and Joe yes. book? This is the next one? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's another Elvis and Joe book. Yeah. So that'll be, see, this is 18, that'll be 19. And then what about those, what about those first novels that were, that in your mind were utter failures? That no, did they, they never, did they, they never got published, right? Oh God, How, so talk about those, because I have, I also have my dirty ones that are in the, in my parents' garage that I don't even want to look at. People have said, oh, I want to read those. I'm like, yeah, I know you don't. No, they, they're, they're, they were horrible. Here's, here's what happened. I, uh, uh, see, before I began writing books, I started back, I started as a short story writer, and then I moved to Hollywood and I became a, a you know a, a TV writer, yeah. <clears throat> and I was doing TV for almost ten years. And when I first got involved in TV, I, you know I loved it. It was very exciting, and you know it's like uh, uh, you know one week I was swatting mosquitoes on the bayou in Louisiana, next next weekend I was I was here in, on sound stages with actors, you know, and it was it was great, it was wonderful. Uh, but over time, I, I began to feel sort of crimped and. Uh, less enamored of the process, and I, I wanted to write uh, novels. Well, what I had grown to believe, erroneously, but I didn't realize it then, was you know like all TV is hack work. You know, only hacks write TV. Okay. You know, and 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 the way we write TV is the way I'd been writing on Hill Street, Cagney and Lacey, and Miami. You know, all the shows I, I worked on. You get in a writer's room, and then you you, you figure out. You know, you outline, you figure out the scenes, the story arcs, all that. And only when you have all your beats figured out, then do you go write it and, you know, and here's, there's your episode. Well, um, obviously, since that's how they do it in TV, and TV is hack work, that's how hacks write. So when I, when I got out of TV and I wanted to start writing a book, I decided I wanted to be an artist. And artists don't write like that. The way an artist writes... Because I'd been reading all these articles about, you know, okay. art, you know the, the novelist's art. The way artist works is, you know, you, you go, you know, you take your, 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 uh, your, your you know, quill pen and your tablet. And, and, and you know, you go to some idle place like, yeah. you know, the mountains. And, and, and you just sort of put your feet up and your eyes roll back in your head. And you kind of shiver a little bit. And the muse comes and, and, and makes love to you while, 
while and suddenly it's like automatic writing and your pen's flying back and forth and when you come out of it there's your novel it's done it's it's perfect it's art that's how art is created so i thought well okay sounds good and and so i went away to the mountains and and i wrote the great american novel right just like that eyes back in the head shivering shaking all kind of crazy stuff 550 pages it was a 500 page beginning a 50 page ending and no middle i mean it was terrible there was no story there so that was a mess so then i decided uh i'm gonna write the great american detective novel because i was i love crime fiction i've always loved crime fiction and i knew i wanted to write a detective novel so same thing here's how the artist would write the detective novel you know eyes rolling back shaking and shivering a lot of typing another horrendous mess that made no sense so that was two down two up time these things were so bad i didn't submit them anywhere no one no human has ever seen them so you this is great so you had the foreknowledge not to submit them where where most of us aren't that smart and we're like here's the great american novel check this out and they're like we're never talking to you again <laughs> yeah i saved myself that humiliation yeah, yeah. I, I, that, do you think that's because you had the tv writing background you realize that yeah i was a, I, I think i was a good self-editor in other words i could read it and realize that it sucked yeah. i mean it was really bad it didn't work as, right. a, as a book this particular scene here might might be terrific or that scene yeah. but here's this novel it was terrible yeah. and i think I, I think the things I'd learned in, in television, the fact that I was 10 years, you know, I'd spent 10 years in a professional environment where I was working with really gifted, talented people. Yeah. Uh, that's my writing school, man. I learned a lot. And I had a certain level of maturity when I, when I wrote those books. I just didn't know how to proceed. Yeah. Well, after two disasters, I decided, I'm not a complete moron, I, you know, I decided maybe I should go back to how I know how to do things how I know how to write been working for me pretty well on TV so that was the approach I took with the third book the third manuscript which ultimately became the monkey's raincoat it was the one wherein I created Elvis Cole and Joe Pike and um, that method worked for me so that's the method I've employed in in all the books since it still works for me That's fantastic. The, um, and even with 10 years of TV writing experience, it, it took, t- I, mean, I feel like in order to, in order to become, an, in order to know how to write a novel, you just have to write a novel. And usually they suck and then put that novel away. But it's essentially just got to jump into the fire. And so it, even, even with 10 years experience as a TV writer, you come out of that, you still have to write two novels in order to figure out how to write a novel. Sure. That was my learning curve. Yeah. <clears throat> because because television, movies of the week, long form, I wrote a couple of long form scripts. Um, those things, that's film. Yeah. So the, 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 the technique for, for film, um, of course, is radically different than for, for prose. Um, and writing a novel is different than writing a short story. So I needed to write those two books. Yeah. You know, at the time I was like angry and resentful but the perspective you gain is that those were necessary. Yeah. You know, here I am, I'm sitting with you now. I got 22 books. If I hadn't written those two, written those two books, we wouldn't be here. Exactly. The river, you know, you know, the river would have changed course and Lord knows what would have happened. Yeah. But I needed, it was important for me to write those books and get them behind me and then I could move on. That, I love that. Um, 
And then, okay, so let's talk about the TV writing, because you've, you've written for shows that are just, uh, they were like the top. I mean, we're talking Miami Vice. I mean, I, re- I remember being a kid, just like waiting up for that night that it was on so I can watch Miami Vice. Um, Hill Street Blues was just, I mean, you were, you were working on some great shows in those days. Yeah, yeah. It was, listen, uh, my good fortune, uh, because when I, when I tell you I consider those TV years as my writing school, yeah. I honestly do. <clears throat> You know, to work with with uh, on, on shows like like Hill Street, uh, Cagney and Lacey, Miami Vice, Quincy with Jack Klugman, and you know where I'm also like with with Cagney and Lacey with Tyndale and Sharon Glass. I, I was on staff then uh, for all those shows, and and so part of it is working with the actor, and when you when you're working with really high performance, gifted trained actors like 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 those folks i mean how can you not learn you know when you're working with them to to revise scenes and to to edit scripts uh and to make it all better you know i was like i was this kid i was a baby writer in hollywood and i was a sponge and i was soaking it up i mean you know here you were with with, like jack klugman who was a uh, i worked with him on quincy which was a, a a drama but he was a great comedic actor Broadway actor so to, to be locked with him in a trailer going over scripts and scenes over and over again working through scenes with him I mean you're watching a you know a master at work and I'm the the otherwise bumbling lucky guy who who, who, who takes benefit from that so when I even to this day I, I think all the things I learned from those shows Hill Street, the dialogue, the characterization, Ditto Cagney, all these things, editing, um, how to build a scene, how to maintain energy, uh, how to run multiple plot lines. It's all, all those things of film, I learned how to do and transpose them to books. And I, and I have to believe that whatever, whatever people may or may not think about the quality of my work and the, and the success that I've had, uh, I lay it at the feet of my days in television. I think it was a huge benefit for me. It, it blows my mind. I really didn't understand the craft of an actor until I was, you know, about four years ago when I was on a set and working, and how they they're approaching this they're approaching the storytelling process just as important as I was approaching the storytelling process. So. Um, that must have been great to just sit there with Jack Klugman, who's been who's been dissecting story in his mind and how to present it in front of a camera or in front of an audience. And they're they're doing their craft, and it just, that craft just blows my mind because I don't understand it. It's so much fun to just be around. Well, it. I mean, I, I'm I'm not an actor, and and when you, to me it's like magic. <clears throat> um, I mean, I I, I witness how actors work. Uh, one of the most useful things for me was being on sound stages when scenes that had already been written were now being blocked and rehearsed because then you see, you, you the writer, you see why changes actually need to be made and you see the electricity that's happening between, for example, Tyne Daly and Sharon Gliss. You watch them work together and suddenly it changes the scene. Even though you've written a scene and you may think, man, this is like a killer great scene. When those two women are together and working, man, and they got it turned on, um, you understand how something can come alive, and you you also understand how many different ways there are to come at 
uh, a scene or come at a, a, what you're trying to, the truth you're trying to get to in a, in a particular scene that you're, you're writing. <clears throat> and over time, I think, you know, you, you the writer, you develop a, a, a cord in sense of what is automatically the best way to do that or, or what's going to be a successful way to approach a scene. Um, but it, but you must never. I I remind myself about this constantly. Always triple look at any scene I'm gonna I'm going to write. Um, examine it. Here's the way you think best, right, Robert? Yeah. Okay. Now come at it from the other way, and now come out come at it from the side, and see if it really is the right way to approach the scene. And I, that, that's something I've been doing for all of the books. I still do it. Now it's, I do it without even thinking about it because that's how you write, right? I mean, quotes around it. That's how you write, kids. Right, right. Yeah. That's really cool. And then, um, how did you get into TV writing? What, what, was, what was your break? What, how did you break in? Uh, I, <clears throat> you know, no magic. I didn't know anybody on TV. I, I, I wrote, uh, well, here's, so I'm back in Louisiana and writing short stories. And, um, uh, one of one of my uh, fictional one of one of my literary heroes was Harlan Ellison, uh, and Harlan had uh, who at that time I did not know. I mean, he, I was just this kid buying his paperbacks and reading his work. He had published a book called *The Glass Teat*, which was about his adventures writing, you know, television and movies in Hollywood, and that actually inspired me to 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 go to Hollywood. Um, or rather to come here to, to Los Angeles and, that, and, and to entertain this wild and crazy fantasy that I could actually get, in, get involved in show business. You know, I mean, we didn't know, I didn't know anybody who did this. My family either worked for one of the uh, oil refineries in Louisiana or were police officers. So, you know, nobody did this. This was all, this was on the other side of the rainbow, right? And how did your family react when you had this, when you had this dream? They weren't thrilled. Um, no, they, they, you know, in, in many. No, I understand. That's all right. That's all right. It's it's better. I didn't pee. <laughs> oh, I, I thought that poodle did though. Yeah. You looked. Uh, the the, I came out here um, and I wrote, spec scripts because, <clears throat> you know, I I was a fan of TV, so I had my favorite shows. And I'd never seen a script, so I found some secondhand scripts. Back then, you know, of course, there was no internet, right. so you actually had to go and find physical things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and what I did was just analyze the, the, the television shows I was writing, um, which is the same way I had learned to write short stories, by reading short stories and then breaking down what the writers had done and, you know, why does this work as a story, all that stuff. Um, and I wrote, uh, I started writing spec scripts, and um, uh, I, a, a friend had, had the name of a, I went to the Writers Guild, got a list of agents. At that time, you, you used to be able to get a list of agents who were signatory to the Guild's MBA and all that stuff. A friend of mine said, you know, well, you should try this guy, this, this, this man, um, Ivan Green. And, um, and I did, and I sent him spec scripts, and lo and behold, uh, he thought they were terrific, <clears throat> and he submitted them to the different shows. And the second one he submitted, again, luck of the draw, they they had an opening, something had fall, fallen out, yeah. so they bought my spec script. Yeah. 
So then I was off and running. It's funny because there is luck to it, but at the same time, you put in you put in the hard work to analyze what a TV spec script was, what it was to get a solid script together, and what they what they wanted. I think there's luck involved, but at the same time, I mean, it sounds like you just you you're a, you're a grinder. You went in there and you and you just yeah. yeah, I am a grinder, and and I and I did do that for for whatever it's worth, um, because it 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 just seemed. I knew nothing about it, about television writing. But I did know as a TV fan that, uh, you know, there, were, there, there, was a, there was a teaser, there was four acts, there was an epilogue yeah. in those days. You know, there was a commercial between each one of those things. And then as I watched more, I said, oh, yeah, there's five or six scenes per act. And <clears throat> all of these things began to make sense to me. Uh, and then I analyzed the individual scenes as they were, how did they get into that scene? How did they get out? Yeah. You know, the, the rhythm, the pace. And I have to say, um, by the time, you know, I guess a lot of free, uh, freelancers feel this way because I was a freelancer in those days. But I knew those two television shows that I was writing spec scripts for, I believe I knew those shows inside and out as well as any staff writer or producer on that show because I had watched all those shows, and I had actually taken, that's what I would do, I'd take notes. I wouldn't just like watch, I'd kick back, a couple of brews, watch a show. Dude, I was working, it was like taking notes, breaking it down. Um, I believe I knew those, those shows and those characters, the rhythms of those shows, that's ultimately a part. Uh, the flow, the meter, all of it. I knew those shows as well as anyone on the show, and um, maybe, that's, maybe that's what gave me an edge, selling the scripts. I like that way when I was um, when I was asked to uh, write the screenplay for the the adaptation for the screenplay I was given a shot at it oh yeah you go ahead and write your adaptation for the book right so and I'm like oh that'll be easy and but I knew I was gonna be hell and I I, I actually wrote notes and I watched I watched newer indie films and I was just I had my legal pads out and I was writing every single beat and every single scene and looking at what it looked like on the script and it was, I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't kicking back with a beer and watching right. a TV show. This was like, yeah. See, you were serious about it. You were serious about writing. You were a serious writer. And that's what a professional does. I mean, it, it, you know, it's more than just, you know, fanboyism. Um, it, it, it's, it's more than just having a brewski and watching a favorite show and yucking it up. Man, wasn't that great? Can't wait till next week. It's, I'm here to learn. I'm here to work. I'm going to break this thing down. You want to learn how to fix a car's engine? Take it apart. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I remember that in the shop class when I was a kid. They, they were like, if, you, if you got to the advanced auto shop classes, you essentially rebuilt an engine. That was, that's what you take it apart. You have to take it apart. And I don't care. We're talking about TV. <clears throat> same for feature films. Same for novels. Same for short stories. Same for haiku. You take it apart. And that's how you learn how to put, it on, put one together. I remember, you know, this is probably 20 years ago, but I remember like short stories that I really liked. I what I would do is I would just transcribe those stories, so I knew what it felt like to write those words yes. in the early days. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I used to do that too when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. It was never anything they wanted. The teachers wanted me to read, but it was it was the things that that really shook me and moved me and inspired me. But absolutely, I would actually uh, transcribe them just to learn the meter of the language, the rhythm of the language. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a lot of us do that. Yeah, it's the, I love the I love how we get how we get to these places. It's the the because it's uh, what do you call it? It's 
there's there's a little bit of um there's a little bit of a like a, a, a durability to the early days of how we how we approach things but at the same time we have to go through those the little things we do the the early days of infatuation of with the the lust of writing that turns into a, a love affair i guess sure sure you know where, where i where i came from there really wasn't uh I mean, it wasn't really anyone like me. You know, I had a couple of friends. Right. Uh, I, 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 you know, I had a couple of friends who were into films or into you know science fiction or crime or you know television. But there really wasn't um, what today we would call a support group for for right. for people who want to run off to Hollywood and you yeah. know be a writer or an actor or a director or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's a kind of an isolation. Um, but you're, since you're spending time in your head directed toward this creative endeavor, maybe that isolation's good. Yeah. It serves a good purpose. Yeah. Um, because that's, you know, it goes back to then. That's when I started breaking stuff down and, and really deeply thinking about it in a serious way. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you did too. Yeah, it just, it almost becomes this just obsession of how do, how do, how can I make that happen? How can I be a part of that? And because it's just, it meant so much to me and I'm just wanted to be in the club. That's essentially the beginning of it. I just want to be in the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. How do I, how do I, <laughs> how do I become Ernest Hemingway? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Except uh, for the blowing the brains out part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, revise our ending on that. But it, you know, again, I was a reader, and I'd read these stories, read writers who were, the work just rocked me so much, somehow uh, appealed to me so much that, you know, here, here was, I, I fell victim to Ray Bradbury. When I discovered Ray Bradbury, yeah, I'm, I'm going to blame the old man. Listen. Oh my God! I, I fell down the Ray Bradbury rabbit hole and couldn't have been happier. Yeah. I loved his short fiction, and probably spent a year and a half in junior high and high school, where everything I wrote sounded exactly like Ray Bradbury, because you know he affected me so much. His words on page had such a powerful hold over me. But in a, that's all good. I mean, it's good because. You know, the, the me who could be swayed that way by someone else's words and literature, that's the same me who, who, who began to desire to, to make my own words and create my own worlds and fiction and things like that. So it, I don't think you have one without the other, man. And yeah. it's just, you know, that's the part of you that fires up and moves ahead. And that's what's great about um, this whole game is that you know, even the writers that I look up to that I'm like, oh, man, they're God. It's so great to meet them. They have their same people where they're looking up to them and going, oh, my God, I can't wait to meet this person. There's this huge circle of like uh, of um, is it called adoration or uh, yeah, admiration yeah, society? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I think it's back to all writers or readers first. So whoever you are, whatever your background, uh, even even the most lofty intellectual. <laughs> Uh, you know, that kid, when he's 14, 15, or she's, you know, whatever, 12, and and they're reading some writer somewhere, yeah. lit them on fire. Yeah. 
and that's the part that was touched and and you know so that's that that led them on their own corrupt road to uh to literature uh ditto ditto me ditto you yeah we got to have it in us or we wouldn't be here perfect ending robert thank you so much for being on the show it's terrific i had a blast tony thank you so much drink up Robert Crace on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book, A Dangerous Man. Coming up on the show next week, we have Carol Schlanger. She's the author of Hippie Woman Wild, a memoir of love, life and love on an organ commune. Hey, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week on Drinks with Tony.